Welcome to The Nix, where we talk about pop culture until we can't stand it anymore and we nix it. I'm Justin Hartung. And I'm Fanny Darling. As always, a quick warning, there might be spoilers for anything we talk about on this podcast, but we always do our best to let you know that they're coming. This episode, our 150th, we are celebrating with a review of the hotly anticipated horror movie, The Unholy. Hey, Justin, do you think anyone listening knows what that is? Well, we sure didn't when we bought the tickets, but hey, it was in a movie theater, and we will never forget it. As always, a plea to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts app, Podchaser, Podbean, Stitcher, CastBox, or wherever you're able to do such things. Uh, Give us five stars. Say nice things. Uh, We need it. Um, Please do. That'd be great. Thank you. Um, If you knew what Justin had gone through tonight (laughs) to get this out to you guys, he has less hair. Please make it worth his while. There were some tech issues. I did once again wish that somebody made a um, laptop that was like a bouncy ball, like the flubber <laughs> material, that when I got frustrated, I could just bounce the laptop against the wall or maybe yeah. on the floor, dribbling under my feet like the Harlem Globetrotters. Like, just any way to keep it, you know, keep me from throwing it out the window and not being able to record again. So I just don't make eye contact when this happens <laughs> and tap my mic when told. We, we are... We are on we are live we are praying to god uh hopefully to the right god uh spoilers for the unholy <laughs> to keep this podcast working we need a miracle um all right the unholy this is our main review this week um we are going to go full spoilers because frankly we're not too worried about uh any of you ever seeing this or maybe <laughs> you might see it on um amazon prime and you'll have a hoot and it's not a movie where spoilers will ruin it either way yeah you um, know going in what you're getting yeah so this movie um you know it's horror legend sam raimi producing it is somebody directing that i don't know and didn't even bother to write down because i don't feel like dumping <laughs> oh, on them nice. um it is about a young woman who suddenly finds herself able to uh create miracles she's healing people uh she claims the virgin mary is working these miracles through her uh jeffrey dean morgan who you might know from walking dead and other things supernatural supernatural he is a reporter who's investigating and he worries that it might actually be someone other, you know, not so godly sort of creating these miracles. Uh, the supporting cast features a prime duo of 20th century ex-hunks, William Sadler and Carrie Elways. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there is, uh, there's, yeah. What did you think of this movie, Fanny? You just go all in first. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to start by saying I haven't had this much fun in a movie since I don't know when. Nobody else was having as much fun in the theater as we were, but this is a laugh riot. Does it want to be a laugh riot? I don't know. I really don't think it did. But But I would, this goes up in like my top five fun, giggling, totally on the right level for this with the person you're watching it this is a terrible movie i mean it is so bad i i can't even tell you how bad it is every like i leaned over to you five minutes into the thing and said that's the first plot hole (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> just or just unbelievable thing or it's it's terrible. And what's sad is Jeffrey Dean Morgan is a good actor. I've seen him in lots of things. He was on The Good Wife. He was great. I really like Jeffrey Dean Morgan. He named his daughter George. I have a lot of respect for that. But he can't find roles, and this one isn't it. He's trying his hardest. He is. He is. He's and and he, and very earnestly, which is sweet as hell. But oh my god, it was so bad. So should we just get right to yeah. the jump here? So I mean, I think maybe was it halfway through? You leaned over to me and said, "I think this was filmed during COVID." Oh no, it was a lot sooner than that. <laughs> it was about a quarter of the way through. I said, "I want to know when this was filmed because it was definitely in COVID restrictions." We started just kind of noticing that every shot didn't have more than one person in it. Usually, it was just like. <laughs> Shot to shot, back and forth between like conversations. the way you would in an interview. Like yeah. you know, you get your reaction shots, and you're. And then I started to notice that grouping of people looks like there's <laughs> the same grouping of people over there. It's like a Where's Waldo, where they just you know repeat the cells and maybe color their shirts a little different. Yeah. And this movie's plot is that she's supposed to be drawing this viral attention <laughs> this huge because of she's. People. Basically performing miracles, which I'm sure sounded great in the screenplay, but in this COVID version of it, um, there's like like 20 people max that they just keep filming from different angles (laughs) in different locations. Um, And then, except the one scene where they're supposed to be running through a crowd where they found a green screen of a crowd, and then they put Jeffrey Dean Morgan on, I don't know, a, a treadmill? I don't know what's the running in this one scene is worth just when this thing comes out and is free on Amazon Prime. If nothing else, just forward it until you get to the running scene. Oh my god! We were howling. I was going mean, to pee was, myself. It was so. It's so. We feel a little bad dunking so hard on this movie because we knew that it was definitely a COVID movie. Yeah, and they clearly didn't write it as a COVID movie, but then had to figure out how to film it as a COVID movie. Yeah. Sure enough, we did some fact checking afterwards. It. Started filming the week, uh, yeah, before the world shut. Before, before they the shut, shut down, shut down. Yeah. Sam Raimi probably, you know, he's involved in this. And Rob yeah. Taper from Xena, there was probably some decent money in this. Yeah. Um, who knows? But they basically were not allowed to have more than like five or ten people on the yeah. set at a time. Carrie um, Elway's lost his accent. Oh, <laughs> there's also a sense of like a lot of it was filmed much later. Like yeah, two very distinct time frames. Um, Carrie Elway's what we got to talk about that accent. <laughs> Like, I'm Irish, I'm Boston, I'm Irish, I'm Boston, I'm Boston, Irish, I'm Irish, Boston. And both of them, like, deeply terrible, like... Like Like caricatures, like, like, almost insulting. Like, I'm gonna park the car. (laughs) Oh, you wee lass, are you going to get in the car? Ah, yeah, I'm gonna park the car, I told ya. Like... (laughs) And in the same scene, it it was... Crazy town. Um, And uh, William Sadler, who... You immediately recognized it. I was like, but what is he in? It turns out he's been in everything. Yeah, he's been in everything. Um, but yeah. I've leaned over and I said, hey, remember when he was the naked guy in Die Hard 2? And your eyes like went, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, he's not. I don't, I don't want to go there. No, no, no. He's no. Just, but he's his just, age. Just, but he's yeah, older now. He's older now. <laughs> and it's sort of you're in that like, oh, you're, now you're in those old in these horror movies because that's all you're getting. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, the effects in this thing are a little bit like when somebody sends you one of those obnoxious <laughs> prank YouTube things <laughs> that's basically like, look in the corner, there's a spirit you'll see wafting through the corner, and you like stare at the corner, <laughs> and then something goes, bah! but it's like literally somebody spent like maybe 15 minutes like like hitting the like ghost template on some sort of videoing, video processing yeah, thing. It is not good. It's... It's unbelievably not scary. Uh, it's funny in a way that it it's shocking that a movie like this got to theaters. Yeah. And yet this is what they got to show us right now. And as I was talking to my friend Karen about this, she was like, do you think this is going to be a thing? Like, are we going to be seeing for the next year a ton of like busted ass movies that would have been probably at least a little better made? Yeah. Um, and I think probably is the answer. <laughs> um yeah, things happened. Yeah. We saw them. Yeah. A lot of them. And, yep, still super fun to go to oh, the theater. Oh, a great time. <laughs> yeah. Um, shout out to the guy that Schultz sold us the movie ticket um, for the one that had already started. <laughs> See, because by the he way, knew. <laughs> by the way, that there were two screenings of this happening simultaneously is another whole thing in itself. Like, what? how desperate are we? <laughs> well, and we walked in the wrong theater and we're like, well, wait a minute, the movie's already going. But we saw, like, out of the corner of our eye a little scene. And then we sat down in the movie theater, we got to that scene nothing had happened in the movie till then and i was like see that guy was just trying to save us some time he was he knew <laughs> and that scene we walked in on you we gotta shout out what that scene was the kern baby oh what's a kern baby i don't know what's <laughs> a, a parent okay it's a scottish totem that the farmers used to plant at the end of their corn crops <laughs> and sometimes people put they're demons in. Yeah, and then chains. And an yeah. impossible date. This does start with a very horrific... Yeah, it's not good. Ugh, like, <laughs> face, which... Like, if, what's that old movie? There's an old, like, 60s movie, Mask of Death. Is there something oh, yeah, with, like, witches like where somebody gets put in an Iron Maiden or something? I think maybe there's also a faceplate. It was horrific. Yeah, the hammer, the, that's a thing. Yeah, the hammering the sound the effects. On, yeah. I was like, ooh, this is going to be scary and gross, but guess what? It was not. Scary it wasn't scary, and it wasn't gross. They 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 smashed a few mel- melons for the foley, and that was they they blew their their wad there. Wow, all, I'm sorry. <laughs> I should not have said that. I think that's where all the COVID budget went was breaking those melons, melons buying and breaking those melons. Um, wow, I don't know what else to say about this. Yep. There's no chemistry. Um, the girl that plays the possessed kind of cricket. Cricket? Oh, yeah, that's right. She's Cricket. Her name is Cricket? Yes, yes, um, yes. I feel like she maybe could be good in a new, different movie. I didn't know who she was, but... Cricket it, is a charming name. Yeah, but she does a lot of dead-eyed stares in this and goes like, Mary's talking to me. Mary wants to do this and Mary wants to do that. And Jeffrey Dean Morgan is sort of like, you know, straight out of bad, like you know, Night Stalker, X-Files, like, ah, harumph, I don't believe in miracles, or do I? Ah, no, I couldn't trust those miracles. I knew it. Like, <laughs> And I don't care how down on your luck journalist you are, you are not taking $150 to drive 200 miles and stay two nights in a hotel for any fucking story ever. That was really, it really upset me. <laughs> There's also a crazy subplot that is like, his boss, who's this woman in like, uh, like I guess a Boston newspaper, who's first of all in like the, it's like, have they ever met a journalist? No, 
no newsroom looks like that anymore. They're busted and yeah. the air conditioner doesn't work <laughs> and they're mildewy and they don't have any like new like we're struggling over here in news right. people. Like it's not a oh. it does not look like a fancy uh, Fortune 500 they're company. Definitely not. It would have been flipped. The the like the tabloid horror people they'd have been in that office right and the actual news people would have been like i'll give you 150 bucks sorry (laughs) and then she shows up in the big like tent you know what should have been the great freak out horror carry kill everybody freak you know right scene and nothing and instead was jeffrey dean morgan yelling she's lying in the middle of 10 people yeah nothing in that scene it was baffling although that scene at least had the most people and the running maybe they were all spliced they were 20 people spliced oh i think it yeah no it absolutely was yeah that that, no joke that was what it was and that was also the scene with the running there's also a it centers around a a tree that this witch is sort of stapled to in the beginning and (laughs) she's hung from the tree and set on fire the thing is stapled to her her face face. sorry yes um but there is a lot of um the tree is like in a tent (laughs) like yeah they like they put a shrine over it like there yeah but it's like very like what when did that happen the movie is like none of the pacing makes any sense Um, this is not a good movie and you should definitely see it i because we were drinking thank god i had to take a couple bathroom breaks and i legitimately was like i don't want to miss a second of of insanity i'm telling you it's a terrible movie and you should definitely see it yeah totally so i think we have to give it kind of a like a nice yes we're having a fun time yeah and if you've seen Drag Me to Hell, by the way, oh. a Raimi thing that I fucking love and also Don't Breathe, I think he produced. Yeah. He does a lot of good sort of um, stuff that's campy but still yeah, fun and knows Evil it's campy. Dead, yeah. The original. I mean, I think he had something to do with the remake, too. But the originals are yeah. fucking excellent. And Army of Darkness? Are you kidding me? I don't know whether that was baked into this original script, but it certainly is not directed that way. So don't go into this expecting no, you're that not gonna fun, get- self-aware camp. It's like inept camp which yes. is really the true camp yes. <laughs> you bring the fun they bring the ineptitude yeah. it's yeah yeah um yeah probably probably we need new ratings this is so dark but like like with covid worth it rating like like nah, how, how many antibodies nice. how many antibodies is this worth i don't know anyways oh, moving wow. on um <laughs> Okay, anything else to say on that? Or should we no, just get right into should, yeah. This is going to be a short episode this week. We just want to say hi to you guys and tell you about the unholy. Because <laughs> it's unholy heck. I don't know. I was going somewhere with that. I apologize. Uh, are we going to do We Did What You Saw there? Let's do that. Okay, um, I guess I'll start. Uh, I watched Made for Love on HBO Max, which is Christina Milotti. Am I pronouncing that right? God, I like her. Um, Billy Magnuson, a few other people that I can't think of. Oh, Ray Romano and a couple other people. uh, Based on a novel about somewhat dystopian world, from what I can tell, outside of the hub where the tech guy and his wife live. And his new, his name is uh, Gogol. 
So yeah, you guys figure it out from there. Uh, his new thing that he's going to release to the world to make our humanity better is a chip that you and your beloved can both put in your head and you share one reality because you're truly soulmates. Surprising no one, Christina Miliotti is not down for this and she takes off. Uh, a race ensues. Uh, you find out fairly quickly, I'll try not to go too spoilery here, but you find out fairly quickly that he actually already implanted the chip in her head. They haven't merged, but he can see, so she's on the run with this constant voice and knowing that he's watching her and trying to get around those pitfalls. Um, this, uh, as Justin pointed out, is from the uh, one we were talking about, is from the creators, uh, same creators as Search Party, and has that same sort of weird, uncomfortable humor. Ray Romano's uh, mate is a sex doll <laughs> named Diane. Um, <laughs> And the, when she first goes home to her dad to try and get help, he is having. She walks in and him having sex with the sex doll. It's the most uncomfortable two seconds of TV I have watched in I don't know how long. Um, she is so good, and as we saw in Palm Springs earlier this year, she just has that wonderful, quirky, dark humor that works really well here. Magnuson, I always really like. Once it's once it switches from him being like cool tech dude to who he really is, he's he's in his element. Romano's good. I I re, they're dropping these every week, I think, and they've I think there's five out. I really liked this. I thought it was great. Um, I like where it's going. I would even, uh, it's based on a novel that I'm sort of thinking about reading, but I have a lot of things before it. Nice. Um, I want to give it a chance. I started it and I need to go further. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. Uh, on Hulu, I watched the documentary We Work about the, um, complete bonzo crazy pants that created the WeWork, um, I'm going to say cult, and then <laughs> ran it right into the ground, like in like 48 hours. This is fascinating and horrifying, and uh, I don't have a ton to say about it. It's a pretty classic cult story, but it's really well done, very well produced, and How many episodes? That's always the documentary uh, It's question. one. It's a movie. Just, oh, it's just yeah, a movie. It's okay. just one movie. Love that. Yeah, it's a quick documentary. I think I don't. It's under two hours. Really, really worth nice. watching. Really good. Um, Law and Order: Organized Crime. Yes, I am the one of five people. Well, actually, a lot of people watch this because Christopher Maloney's Elliot Stabler is back after I think ten years uh, on the Law and Order franchise. So people have kind of lost their shit. This is a terrible show. <laughs> oh no! This has production values like. I think they spent $10 on the theme song and the opening credits. They like went to a stock photo place and it, it is not good. It doesn't have the law and order, like one case. Don't get too personal. It's, Everybody in it is taking it personally because, of course, his wife dies in the first episode because everybody in the world wants Mariska Hargitay and 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 Chris, Christopher Maloney to be the couple. So the only way they can do that is by fridging the wife, right? But they had five kids, and they blow her up in the first episode, and now he's trying to figure it out. And I know everybody else really wants Maloney and Hargitay to get together, and they want that scene. Uh, 
You know who the antagonist in this show is? Yeah, Dylan McDermott. You know who I want to kiss? I watched Oz. I know what Maloney looks like kissing a man. And I want Maloney and McDermott. They have scenes where they're alpha mailing like five, five inches away from each other. And I'm yelling in my living room, kiss, 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 kiss. So this is more serialized in yes, this case. Yeah. The case. Okay. Yes. Um, but it does not work. Is this the first Law and Order show that's been like? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's wow. not good. It's not good. Okay. It's not good. I'm going to watch it because eventually they may kiss. They're probably not going to, but in my head they will. It's going to be fine. I'll watch it because I really do love Christopher Maloney, but it's, it's not a good show. always. Yeah. yeah. Um, Mighty Ducks Game Changers on Disney+. Plus. Love that you did that. <laughs> Sat in my living room and cried. Wow. I, I am a Mighty Ducks person. I don't think I knew this about you. I love learning I love things hockey, that I didn't know. And I love the Mighty Ducks. I knew you loved hockey, but I did not know. love the Mighty Ducks. Wow. I cry like a baby when I watch the Mighty Ducks. And so this show is back to the roots. Gordon Bombay still hates hockey again. And so they have to get gruff Emilio Estevez, who looks like an old man. And I love it so much. And he looks so much like Martin Sheen. It's ridiculous. And it. It's the plucky underdogs who get their team, and they're in the crappy arena, and they have to go be, and they're not the Mighty Ducks, because the Mighty Ducks are the bad guys now, and because actually the Ducks are the bad guys. Boo, Ducks, we don't like you <laughs> in the real world, in the NHL. Anyway, this is a really, really good show, and I really like it. I is it a it. show? Yeah, it's a, it's oh, a okay. show. Oh, okay, I thought it was a movie. No, okay. it's a show. Um, now, did you take Parker when Parker was young to go see the, the movies? Because that was like sort of after... No, I didn't take him because he wasn't born yet. Really? Parker so you was were born like in a, 2002. You were, this was like 90-some. They were like 94, 95. So you went to go see the Mighty Ducks. I mean, we, we had them on tape, and I was, yes, me and my roommates who were super into hockey watched the Mighty Ducks, and we sat around and cried like a fucking baby, okay? All right. I love it. Alan just, Spooner, you're not watching this, but I see you. I mean, you're not listening to this, but I see you, and I'm still crying at Mighty Ducks. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I also finally decided I, I had heard for years about this show on Showtime called Brotherhood. I was very, very bored. I decided to – it's about the Irish mob um, with a very young Jason Isaacs running around in uh, short cropped – like his the height of black Irish look for him <laughs> and a tight black T-shirt beating the shit out of people. Nice. So, yeah, that's good. But then the other side is the charisma suck of Jason really Clark. Uh, God, why – why do they put that guy in anything? Wait, now I'm having trouble remembering the difference between Jason Isaacs and Jason Clark. Jason Isaacs is Malfoy. Right. Lucius Malfoy. Right. Uh, Jason Clark is the charisma suck that you always stand up for. He was in he's always plays like the moderate, like kind of bad guy or kind of good guy. He's like the mamby pambiest, stupidest, like Maybe I was thinking he was Jason Isaacs. Well, he's not Jason Isaacs. Jason Isaacs. Okay, anyway, I'm going to Google them right now. Also in this is... Um, oh, yeah, Jason his, Clark don't care for. Yeah. He just he, he was in that horrible, like, the, the Netflix... Oh, shit, I can't remember. Anyway, <laughs> um, he's not good. I don't care for him. But everybody else in it is good. And it's only three seasons. And it's been off the air for almost 20 years at this point. I don't... So I watched it. It's worth it if you have Showtime and a day you're bored with. On, I think, NBC, Katie uh, Seagal, I will do anything for you. <sighs> I watched Rebel. I'm sorry. Katie Seagal, the girl who played Gert from Runaways. John Corbett, Adam Arkin, Andy Garcia. 
should have been good. It's about Aaron Brockovich, who, <laughs> sorry, Aaron Brockovich, but, and people like this show, and I think, is it me? Is it me show? Because you're cliched, and you're dumb, and you're not well-written, and I... Is Siegel playing Brockovich? Yeah. Okay, the Brock- Rebel is the Brockovich character. Okay, that's funny. She just popped, Brockovich just popped up in my Twitter timeline this week. Is she, well, like... Trending again because well, of the show. Well, because of the show, yeah. Interesting. Okay, and I was wondering I, why. I was like, I haven't heard anything about her in a while. My guess is that they have a, a hit here, but it makes me sad that they have a hit here, that this yeah. is all they had to do, because they could have done this cast is great, and they could have done more, and they just, mm. I mean, I could have gone on, and there's so many more actors that you know in this show, and it just, wah, wah, wah. Um, but at least it was well-meaning <laughs> fighting for the right thing and not infuriating, Ugh. which brings me to them on Amazon prime. Oh. I, I truly want to take a moment here and put a trigger warning out there for inf- infanticide, um, sexual assault, um, racism, uh, racism, trauma porn, but very much in particular, the fifth episode is where I kind of broke. And I watched one after it to see if they dealt with the issues that took place, with the events that took place in in episode five or not, and then just read the, the recaps for the rest of the season because, no, 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 they don't. Um when watching Lovecraft Country and listening to the corresponding podcast, one of the things that uh, the writer talked about with Lovecraft Country was it was so important to also show scenes of black joy right? and to show these characters have agency in their own lives and their own joy and over have control over the terrible things that were happening to them in the world. And that was part of what I loved about that show so much and the layers of that show and about trauma and dealing with trauma. And this show has none of that. It's just from start to finish, base level, look at all the terrible things we can do to this family who then, and there's no break from it. There's no, you know, with the occasional really good jump scare, you know, there's scary shit that is happening here, but it is Lena Dunham trying to be Jordan Peele and Lena Dunham. Lena Waithe. No, it's, it's Dunham. Oh, really? I thought it was Waithe. Uh, I don't think so. Okay. Cause that's why I was so mad. Let's check it up while we're here. Um, let's see. I could be very wrong, in which case then I then I'm sorry for all the shit I said about you, Lena, Dun- <laughs> Lena Dunham. But I believe it's Lena Waithe. Okay, well then okay. I take it back. But <laughs> it's just not done in any kind of. There's no nuance to this. The fifth episode. Okay, the very first episode, you see this family in the house. The mom is home with the son. Dale Dickey, who I am low key mad about, mad at because I love Dale Dickey so much, but. She got to work. This is not her fault, but I'm low-key mad at her for digging this this part. Shows up and is creepy and sings this um, super racist song to the, the woman and then hears the baby cry and says, oh, can I have your baby? And it cut cuts 
flash forward a few months and the family's moving, they don't have the baby. It's obvious that the baby, something has happened to the baby and it broke the mom. In a probably 15-minute scene, they go back in episode five. Dale Dickey shows up. She brings three people basically out of the hills have eyes. I mean, it's oh, that God. sort oh. of inbred type yeah. of, you know, drooling, right. buck-toothed, right. you know, lackeys that she brings with them who go in and sexually assault the woman over and over and over oh, again. Yeah. Okay. Well, the Dale Dickey takes the baby, wraps him in a sheet and starts yelling cat in a bag, cat in a bag. And they toss the baby around between them while they're raping the mom. Oh the my. Okay. Dead. Nope. No, thanks. I'm out. Nope. Not into it. Not going to see that. It was just, and it was more upsetting than it sounds. Oh, it sounds really terrible. Yeah. And yeah. it was unnecessary to do it the way they did it. And I just, it was like they were just going for shock. Shock. And they didn't have a lot to say. Yeah. And the, 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 the acting in the show is good. It is beautifully shot. It's it's unnecessary. It's yeah. just it's just not necessary. Ugh, God, I was I was sad because I was hoping for a good like ghosty yeah. story, but nope, not. And that. They, you know, I guess it's supposed to be an anthology about the horrors of America, which, yeah. but it's with the subtlety of a sledgehammer right. and also just yeah. icky as yeah. and disturbing without needing to be. Right. All right. Uh, uh, violence that Justin may or may not be able to take <laughs> still on Amazon Prime. Uh, I I had read. I don't know, six of these comics way back when I decided to watch Invincible because I was on a Stephen Wen kick and uh, other voices in this are uh, J.K. Simmons, Walton Goggins, you know, I'm there anyway, Jason Manzukis, uh, Sandra Oh, a um, few other people that I can't think of right now. This is, it's fun. It fo- I think it follows at least what I remember of the comics very well. Um, it, all the... The, the side stories are sweet. The it's it's it is what you get. It's a super you know superhero story. It's got some violent overturns, of course. I mean, it's Kirkman that wrote the original um, stories. It's fun. I think it's worth watching. I was much happier with it than I was with them. Doesn't take much, but it is. I think it's worth watching. I think the thing that threw me off of it was I somebody I started the comic as well. And sort of enjoyed it, and it got yeah. a little dark, and was like, oh, okay, right. I can handle it. And then someone was like, oh, but the finale of whatever, and I don't, I, I can't even spoil it because I don't know the characters, mm-hmm. but I was like, wait, what? That thing gets that crazy? And there were people, like, ripping people's rib cages out of, like, their bodies and, like, crazy violent, like, body <laughs> violence. There like, hasn't been that. I mean, there's been, you know, yeah, eyeball poppings, head poppings, uh, but it's ooh. like... A, you see it coming, and B, it's not like blood splatters, and there's yeah. not like really any foley work to it. If okay. You know what I mean? All right, that does um, make a difference. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I don't want to go to spoilers here. I knew the big, you know, and it, right. you find out who the characters are right. very early. So, um, and that, I don't know if it's a climactic scene in the that 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 particular scene of a lot of violence takes uh and then there's another you know there's there's just been another big fight scene but it's right. not nearly as intense so these are it's sort of like it's another bad look at like if superheroes were bad right like this sort of the, well just 
You don't want to go into spoilers. I don't want to go into spoilers. No. The superheroes are good, but the bad guys are bad. Right. Okay. And maybe there's some crossover. Okay. But that the good people don't know that there's crossover. Right. Okay. It's not like the boys where it's like, oh, they're, they have one cynical, face. To, yeah, like, yeah, it's not cynical yeah. like that. Okay. Um, I have some uh, news nice. that I'm happy about. Uh, the creators of Glow, Liz uh, Fallhive, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, and Carly Minch have signed with Apple TV Plus to make Roar, which is based on a Cecilia Ahern book of short stories by the same name. This is described as female fables. They're going to be half-hour ep- episodes. The most exciting thing here, besides Alison Brie and Cynthia Ervio, is they got Merritt fucking Weaver. Nice. And I need more Merritt Weaver on my TV. So nice. I'm excited about this. Oh, and Nicole Kidman. Nobody cares about and her. There's like kind of a uh, fantasy thing? Yeah, I, I don't know. Just okay. female fables is huh. what they're saying. Okay. So I don't know. I don't care. I will watch it. Also, periodic reminder here that Terriers is a great show. America fucked it up. You should go watch it. It's on Hulu. <laughs> That's all. Nice. Um, should we talk about some things we both saw? Uh, sure. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We are now caught up with uh, episode f- four. Six. We've no, no, sorry, four. four yeah. And there are only six total. I just was like looking that up the other day. I was like, wow, we're almost done with this thing. Yep. Um, we are going to go full spoilers up through episode four. So yep. if you do not want to hear those, forward through to hear me bitch about Godzilla and Kong. Um <laughs> So yeah, full spoilers. What do you where Where's your temperature at with Falcon Winter Soldier? Um, Avengers weak chins. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, as somebody with not the strongest chin, I, I get a little offended by. But I'll let you have it. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying there's anything wrong with them. They just took a whole bunch of them and accentuated them in one fucking show. All right, that's all I'm saying. It's just. <laughs> You know, and here's the thing about Wyatt Russell. He actually doesn't have a weak chin until you squish his face into an ill-fitting helmet, which I realize they did on purpose because you're supposed to hate that it, guy. But it, it makes him look like yeah. the grandpa from Up. Yeah, it really you know, does. It's yeah. just, it took me uh, until this last episode to really get what they were doing with that character, and I loved it. Like I, I kind of. Oh yeah, no, I knew where they were. I could tell where they were going. I didn't with know it. where they were going. No, I, I honestly like. I'd read a little bit about that character, and it. There's a lot of like complexity to that character in the right. comics, and so kind of didn't know which way they were going with it. And I have to say, well, I, you go first. Maybe or I don't know. Maybe I should go. Go I'm, ahead. I'm so I did not like the Madripoor episode. I thought that was like, okay, this is the Marvel garbage that I'm not here for. It doesn't make any sense. Emily Van Camp is running around being ridiculous. I want revenge for that performance. There, you know, she was in a show called Revenge, right? Okay. Just. And I liked her in that show, but she is so lost in this. And I think it's mostly the script. Yeah. And it just doesn't make any sense. And they're like running around and they're in bad. I hate lazy cheap dystopian settings yeah. like and this is like the worst of them um i just thought that episode was goofy i was starting to be like zemo i just am like this is i don't want like this is not interesting like he's just sort of like a scallywag and they've really redone his character to make him this sort of like rich playboy all of that came out of nowhere i thought it was really bad i was like okay maybe the show is actually bad um this most recent episode gut punched me yeah it was good i thought it was amazing it was really good really to me the things that the show 
has been sort of crystallizing around and maybe not as tightly as WandaVision, but like this really brought them into sort yep. of, you know, stark kind of um, focus. And I feel like what's interesting about it is there are so many ways to read it. Like a few weeks ago, I was talking about it. Is it like Black Lives Matter and Bernie Bros? Or is it like, you know, sort of fascism? Or is it sort of you know, steroid enhancement? Or is right. it like there's all these interesting kind of ways into this show that I, I like. And I feel like that episode, this last one, really milked all of that and left it kind of open in a way that feels kind of exciting to me for Marvel. Like we don't often get that kind of ambiguity about right. what's happening. Um, except in WandaVision, which I think, you know, like that's yeah. what the TV shows are doing Absolutely. well. Is there's a little more room to get at the ambiguity of these characters. Um, Anthony Mackie is like, I, I've fallen in love with Falcon. I didn't know that I cared about Falcon or Anthony Mackie. And I'm going to give Anthony Mackie the line reading from the last, the, the Madripoor episode of, I can't run in these heels, which great. Thank you very much. I really did enjoy it. I don't remember Zemo dancing that everybody's talking about. So that tells you how I, maybe I looked down for that point, (laughs) but everybody, ah, that's become a meme that I was like, I know I watched that episode, but I'll remember that. Yeah. It was a forgettable episode for me. Yeah, it was definitely the worst of, of them. Um, but they kind of had to just have a little adventure in, in between all this. I will say I still don't – I think the problem with this show is the, the chemistry or lack thereof between the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Like I don't – I don't I, – I, on some level I'm glad that there's not just the like buddy comedy trope of like they hate each other and then they're like – Slowly softening to each other, although it's kind of what's happening. Yeah, but it's, it's exactly not, what's happening. But it's not. I don't think they ever hated each other. Yeah, there's something very lacking in their dynamic um, that I hope gets built on a little more in these next two. I just don't really understand why these characters are paired together. Like, I almost just wanted to be like Falcon versus like you know the new Captain America and. But, I mean, he's got a supporting people. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. It's just a very strange thing. But one of the things I thought about in this last episode, too, was um, when, the, you know, the new Captain America's uh, sidekick, Lamar, right. I think is his name, when he died, it just was, like, again, hitting me of, like, oh, like, in these battles between idealism and socialism and populism, whatever – it's the people of color that fucking die. Yeah. And, and then even at the end when that guy who I, he's certainly, I don't think he's just white. Um, that when he flips out and kills him with his, with the shield shield, which Jesus. was really the most horrific thing I've seen in a Marvel thing so far. And that scene of him holding the shield covered in blood mm-hmm. was like, okay, this show is trying some shit and yep. I really appreciate it. So anyways, I'm totally back in. I don't know that it'll nail the landing. I almost don't need it to. I think it's really tried something that Marvel is, and so did WandaVision, but this tried something totally different, and I just appreciate it. Yep. Speaking of nailing things, no, I think we've we've gone there. I I, I agree with what you said. I, you know, the the visuals are the visuals. I do want to see where they go with it. Yeah, I, I have been enjoying it. I enjoyed the Madripoor episode more than you did. Just, right, because you were taking it less seriously. I was taking like, it less seriously, <laughs> and right. I I was the costumes were cracking me up. And, right, yeah, right. You know, um, somebody I, actually although, did point the, out I was super annoyed that nobody recognized that he wasn't like the whatever the tiger pimp or whatever. Did you see in the picture? It's him. 
What do you mean? When they when they look at the picture of the tiger thing, it's actually Anthony that's Mackie. That's Mackie? Yeah. It's Why did that's weird. That was the joke when he uh, says, Oh, it does look like me. It's it is him. Oh, I didn't actually get yeah. that. Um, and that's why the he's taller than you, he's shorter than you. Somebody was pointing out that there's a reoccurring thing in the show though of people not recognizing yep. Mackie and I I think it was maybe the still watching podcast with uh, I think it was, Robinson, yeah. but I was like, Oh, that's super interesting and i hadn't really noticed that as a theme um but like it's doing it's doing a lot of interesting stuff i think in the in the 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 margins in a way so um all right nailed it uh not much to say nailed it is back uh uh, if anybody remembers way back a year ago nailed it was my first pandemic (laughs) binge my, my first horrible love um i'd not seen it i watched all of it like in the space of i don't know I don't know, a couple weeks. And when this new episode dropped, I was like, wait, what? I hadn't heard anything about it. I'm freaking out. And I tried to pace myself and I did a horrible job and there are only six episodes and it's over. And now I'm very sad. Um, that's all. Ah, look at me over here. That was my Nicole impersonation. She's, you don't like her? No, I love her. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I was trying to cheer you up. <laughs> she just, so when, she's, when she calls Wes out and he's wearing like a, Roller derby <laughs> outfit or whatever what? it is, like, roller diner. It's just, it's, it gives me so much joy. I, the way that they still crack each other up and it seems genuine. And they're also just kind to the terrible, terrible chefs on that show. Yeah, I want Sylvia Weinstein. Uh, she's the best. But she was yeah, the best. Yep. so fun. Um, all right, I will go through mine because I know we're running a little long. Godzilla vs. Kong on HBO Max. Um, I think we maybe promised you guys a theater review on the last episode. Um, it Maybe if we'd seen this in the theaters, I would be a little more forgiving. This is just... I went back to see if I was crazy and watched some of the Peter Jackson Kong from, whatever, 10 years ago? 15 years? I mean, how that's now like 10 years ago, probably. The Jackson Kong. Oh, yeah. Um, See, I went back and watched Kong Skull Island, so I had fun. <laughs> that, so that's one of the things I tweeted after this was like, apparently, King of the, the you know, <laughs> Skull Island is like the one good MonsterVerse movie that we've produced out of all of this. Um, it's at I mean, least good in scare quotes. <laughs> yes. It's dumb, but it has a sense of adventure. Um, the humans are like, they're dumb and annoying, but they don't like get in the way of the story. <laughs> This movie, <laughs> Millie, Bobby Brown, and the kid from Hunt for the Wilder People and Brian Tyree Henry are running around like in super high tech security vaults that have no security and are like, boop, 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 computer. Like, oh, I'm going to send the secret uh, underground car to take me all the way to the center of the earth. Boop, boop, boop. Like, it's, it makes no sense. You spend so much time with them. Your boyfriend, Kyle Chandler, has nothing to oh, no. do in this movie. Um, Rebecca Hall and Skarsgård. Oh my god. He's so, my other boyfriend. So Skarsgård shows up with like long hair and a beard and he's like the crazy like science guy and you're like this this works I'm into it and then the next scene he's all shaved and he's all like all right we're adventuring and I'm like no no bring me back Scuzzy Skarsgård. No What's not Scuzzy Skarsgård. No no. I don't like Scuzzy Skarsgård. The effects are terrible. They look like a video game scene. It's just and then also I know this makes me just like not the right audience but like 
Mecha Godzilla? Really? Like, who cares about a fucking? I'm sorry. What? Mecha Godzilla is like a robot Godzilla that is from the original series. That it's like humans build to fight off Godzilla, and it's also a point in a Star Trek episode where Star Trek, wow, South Park episode where they make Mecha Streisand to battle Mecha Godzilla. That's a hilarious South Park. If you haven't seen it, go back and watch it. That's a much funnier thing than this. Um, it, this was a lot of just terrible, cheapy destruction, computer animated, boring. I don't know. It's, I just, I, I didn't even have fun with it. I was just like, can we just get this over with? I just don't want no Who more won? multiverse. Do you really want to know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Godzilla sort of technically wins, like kind of like I could kill you, Kong, but I'm walking away because like I gotta have my like because I'm a good guy. <laughs> like I just like I gotta have my like guy to punch on, basically. <laughs> gotta keep you around. Be a sequel. Oh, <laughs> that's what they're thinking. And then Mecha Godzilla shows up, and they team up and fight Mecha Godzilla together, and oh. then they're all like peace, whatever. Like. <laughs> um, it's really stupid. So Kong wins because Kong's still the best. I guess so. And Kong, there's a whole thing in the center of the earth where Kong's pe- people are, in quotes. Like his his ape ancestors are like in the center of the earth. Of course they are. Um, sure. Yeah. All of it is just total nonsense. Which would be fine if it were like, I don't know. I miss Harryhausen movies. I miss like, if you're going to do ridiculous shit, like make it look fun and ridiculous and fantastic. Like computer effects have like ruined fantasy. That's my little like ranty nicks. I'm nixing shitty over realistic CGI. It's, it's like we've taken a handcrafted. I feel like you've nixed that before. Oh, it's coming back. Um, (laughs) Old man yells at crap, that CGI clown. I know. (laughs) South Park, uh, briefly, it's not in my notes here, but I just, because I'm segueing from that, uh, just did a vaccination special. Uh, I have not watched South Park in probably like three years. Um, Somebody was saying, oh, this is really funny. You should watch it. It, It's a 45-minute episode, so it's like a double episode. It would not, it doesn't sustain, but pretty fucking funny, including the best opening scene ever, where it's like, "Mm, mm, mm, the hottest club in South Park. There's like club you know thumping club music there's a velvet rope there's people waiting in line trying to get in combing their hair and straighten their jacket and there's a bouncer saying no you can't come in and whatever and then they pull back and they're like the hottest ticket in south park walgreens for a vaccine and everybody's wearing their masks and then this old woman comes up and the bouncer lets open the rope and says oh of course come on in ma'am please come right in and she turns around and flips the line off and goes 79 bitches and it was I, I was in at that moment. And then the rest of the episode, uh, the funniest parts of it are about the old people in South Park terrorizing the town because they're vaccinated. <laughs> they're like doing donuts in parking lots <laughs> and harassing the young kids because they can't get a vaccine and still nice. have to wear a mask. South Park still, those guys are kind of genius in their own crazy ways. Um, the Nevers. Woo, HBO Max. Whedon. Um, I don't know... So the thing, this is a weird show to talk about because obviously Whedon's terrible and it's very hard to separate the terribleness from the show. I do think if if we didn't know anything about Whedon, I would have been like, oh, nice Buffy knockoff set in Victorian time, like England. Like it's well acted. It looks great. It's pretty quippy. I will say 
it's the best looking one of his shows has been. Like, it's sort of the budget is there. Well, he's got nothing but money. Uh, yeah, and somebody knows how to shoot it. It's not obviously him, because I feel like most of his kind of stuff is sort of visually sloppy, and this is nice looking. Um, the actors are great. The characters are sort of interesting. It sort of is about essentially, like, queer mutant kind of people getting sort of disempowered people getting special powers to fight back against like, the, you know, sort of privileged people. Um, that's kind of his shtick. He does it over and over again. Um, it was kind of fun. I mean, there's like a Drusilla knockoff woman who's crazy and psychotic. Um, I know that's also like a problematic kind of thing. Um, but again, he gets a good actor to play her craziness and she's super compelling. So I, I feel like the only reason I might continue to watch this is because there's a new showrunner as of, I guess, a few episodes in or something. Right. They, I think he left fairly. Yeah. And I'm sure he mapped out the season, but I think the show could turn into something interesting, and I'm really glad it's a woman running it. Yeah. Um, there's queer characters that are kind of fun. It's got it's got that Whedon thing. Like, he's great at ideas. He's apparently a terrible person, and... Um, uh, also, maybe not great. I feel like at like long term show things. Um, so maybe somebody else can actually make that work. But again, this isn't anything brilliant. I don't want to give him too much credit. It's like you you mix League of Extraordinary Gentlemen with uh, a little X Men and a little Buffy. Like great, that's what what you've done your entire career. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Drag Race. I am. Uh, the current season is almost over next week. Um, I really enjoyed this season. I don't know whether it's just because I'm in COVID land, whatever. Um, the, the trans man, uh, got Mick is on it and is fun and in the final four. Nice. And there have been some really good um, conversations about that. Um, I think the final four are really strong and interesting. And they've done, there was an episode they did that I don't remember them ever doing before where they had to dress each other up. It's sort of like, themselves but also sort of like uh do they have they done that before so it was sort of this thing of like walk in my shoes or whatever right. and uh it led to some really good conversations that i nice. have not seen on that show in a while you can tell you can feel the sweat coming off of rue of like <laughs> all the things she's been doing wrong and kind of trying to at least do a right. little better job of and i appreciate that but mostly it's just a vehicle for really amazingly talented queens and um i I do think they've kicked open the door now for like real like is drag down to gender or is drag a sort of an expression of of challenging gender in all of its forms right so that makes me happy that part yes um ted lasso i finished the show um, I had to kept, keep being like, I have to finish Ted Lasso. I've seen like 75% of it and everybody's so into it and I just need to finish it so I can have like a fully, you know, formed opinion about it. It's not really changed since <laughs> I talked about it. It is, um, it is a fine show. Jason, you think it's fine? This would have been a very cute, uh, AMC, A-list, hour and a half movie. I don't know. Based that- on an ad. Based on an ad. That's the part my brain can't handle. It's, um, 
Yeah, it's kind of basic. It's pretty basic. It also has a very... I was bothered at the end of it. I turned to Dave when I was watching it. I was like, the diversity... A lot of people are praising the diversity. And I'm like, it's a prop. It's very much like not interested in anybody outside of essentially five white characters. And there's these like local, you know, diverse London people kind of peppered in but don't have any real storylines. Yeah, it's not funny. Um, I certainly don't care where it's going next. Um, I I think Ted Lasso is like the most overrated show of the year. Sorry, Ted Lasso. You look cute in that mustache, Zudegas, but that's about it. (laughs) Um, SNL. Oh, Oh, now I'm upset. (laughs) SNL, um, which uh, another thing I have not watched forever, did a amazing little short thing that just popped up on the Twitter feeds this week, and I watched it. It is called My Weird Little Flute. It is... um, Kid Cuddy, who was the musical guest this week, and um, Pete Davidson and Chris Red, and you know a bunch of people from the show doing kind of a parody of like trap, new Drakey hip hop, and it's basically they're acting all like hard and tough, and they're just like, yeah, but the thing I want most is my weird little flute. They pull out flutes and play crazy flutes because that's the thing that's happening apparently a lot in hip hop, and they pull flutes out of bottles and then instead of cleaning their bong they're cleaning their flute and it the whole thing made me laugh my fucking ass off it is it was very much wired into my brain <laughs> um comics i've been reading jonathan hickman uh who basically has been sort of the marvel comic showrunner lately um he did a very cerebral take on uh fantastic four he's got very kind of heady sci-fi ideas he did an avengers thing that i haven't read but it led into this giant crossover now he's taking over x-men there are like fucking like six new x-men comics which he's sort of like show running as far as i can tell like the plot sort of go through them all and he's sort of masterminding that plot I don't love this. I, I wish I liked it more. There's a really fun idea that all the X-Men have that there's a planet, uh, an island called Krakoa, which figures into very early X-Men comics. And it turns out the island is a mutant itself and is sort of alive and whatever. And so they're finally like Professor X and Magneto have teamed up and been like, fuck the humans. We could kill them if we wanted to. But like Professor X is like, we can't kill them because we're better than that. Magneto's like, all right. Yeah, well, then, yeah. And so they basically all go live on Krakoa and the island can like grow to accommodate them. Nice. And so it's sort of about like an X-Men nation. So I like the idea of it. I think it's super interesting. And it's really like looking at like the political, like how would that work? Um, but it's also a little dry. <laughs> it's like sort of a good setup that I want some other writer to kind of run with and have a little fun. Um, I have one more thing. I'm sorry. I feel like I've been talking forever. As usual, I'm like, I don't have anything to say. And there's a lot. Uh, Genesis Owosu. I don't know that I'm saying that right, but I hope I got that right. A Ghanaian, Australian, uh, I don't want to say hip hopper because it's, he's such a weirdo. It's like funk, hip hop, um, art, whatever. Um, I just discovered him randomly today, just on, on Spotify. Uh, his album came out last month. It is called smiling with no teeth, an album name I love. And the song is called that other black dog, which is, it's all very political. Um, but in a f- interesting twisty way, not in your usual kind of, you know, hip hop sort of politics forward kind of way. Um, let's take a little listen before we head out. Hey, 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 hey. All my friends are hurting, but we dance it off, laughing 
Okay, that was Genesis Wasu with that other black dog. Um, Fanny, where can they tell us about all the things that we talked about? I mean, they can tell us about all the things that we talked about. Yes. They can tell us about anything they want to tell us about. Uh, did you see the unholy? <laughs> what did you see that we didn't see? Uh, you can do that. Do you know what the unholy is? Yes. Have you heard of it? Do you, do you know what a kern doll is? Anyway, yeah, you can do it on Facebook. Search for the Nick's podcast. You can find us there. You can send us an email, motion to Nick's at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at the Nick's podcast. And I am on Twitter at Fanny V. Darling. And I'm at Justin Hartung. Bye. Bye.